Welcome to the Um Yeah Sports Podcast with John and Chris, where it's unapologetically just about the sports. We're glad you joined us. Let's jump right in. It is the May 16th episode of the Um Yeah Sports Podcast. This is a Monday edition of the show. We've entered the conference final series in the NBA playoffs, and rookie mini camps are underway across the NFL. I'm Chris, and with me always is John. Hey, listeners, thank you for tuning in. If you haven't done so already, you can help us out by subscribing and sharing the show with your sports-loving friends and family. And if you're sick of uh, all those, you know, uh, well-known large sports sites, I won't name names. Uh, we offer you umyasports.com. That's a place you can head over to each and every day, get your latest sports news and information curated from all across the web um, and brought to you free of charge and free from ads. Please do check it out. All right. With that out of the way, let's get into today's episode. Hey, how's it going? It's doing, going well. How are you? I am doing excellent. So a couple of big game sevens in the NBA playoffs. Um, they actually... Kind of, kind of a blowout sin- mm-hmm. scenario, and uh, at least in the Suns Mavs, I don't. What was the Celtics Bucks score? It's like a twenty point win for the Celtics. So, both cases, it was a bit of a beatdown mm-hmm. uh, by one of the teams, so the teams that uh, are moving on. So we now know our our uh, round three teams, uh, and interestingly enough. Uh, we've got a one seed, a two seed, a three seed, a four seed. Um, so game one uh, is uh, of the Miami Boston series is coming up on uh, on the seventeenth. That'll be tomorrow. That is your one and two seeds out of the East, and then we have the three and four seeds, the uh, the Golden State Warriors against the Dallas Mavericks. That is your. Uh, I guess that'll be your Wednesday game on the uh, on the 18th. That's uh, the three and four seeds there on the on the West. So, should be interesting. Uh, what were your impressions of the those two uh, those two game sevens? Just real quick. Yeah, I thought it was especially interesting with the Suns one. I expect the Suns to be able to hold their own a little bit better than what we saw from. Um, that from that game, I think it was like a thirty-point win for the Mavericks at, when it was all said and done. Uh, throughout the game, I mean, the uh, Luka Doncic had more points than the entire Suns team until about nine minutes left in the third quarter. So it was a thirty-three-point deficit. Yeah. So it was a pretty big blowout for this for the Suns team to have, especially after all of the. Uh, excitement and buzz they've generated after getting all the way to the finals and losing to Milwaukee. So a lot of people expected them to go, you know, to this third round. I also predicted that they go to the third round. However, the Mavericks kind of stopped that. Um, in a lot of part, in, in large part, it was the Suns that kind of were their own worst enemy. Not to say that the Mavericks did a bad job on defensively because they did a tremendous job uh, shutting down Devin Booker, Aiton, and Chris Paul. But all those guys were able to get pretty much nothing going. Uh, Chris Paul finished with like 10 points. Um, and Booker and Aiden I mean, at, at the beginning of the game had, were like zero for eight. So no one was really able to generate any buzz for this for the Suns team. Having 27 points going to halftime is usually not saying that's going to win you any basketball games, and uh, things did not change in their favor to that uh, in this game. But I also think it's one of those things that there's just there's off games in the NBA where you get into these situations where you just start spinning. And with basketball, it's very hard to hit the break on a game that is already kind of getting out of hand because it's not like the NFL where you get offense and defense and there's opportunities to kind of slow it down when you're offensively because in NBA you have you have you know you have that 24 seconds to shoot the ball otherwise you you know you lose that possession so there's a little more pressure around trying to get 
get things going for yourselves. And they, and that's kind of the testament to what happened in this game. The shots weren't dropping down for them. They getting the ball turned over quite a bit. Nothing really worked. And then on the opposite end, Luca and um, Dinwiddie both knocked down the the you know the shot extremely well. And all the other guys kind of came in and helped in any way they possibly can. So ultimately, it was just a better team effort by the Mavericks in this game. Um, and at times, I feel like this this Suns team is not the same Suns team that we saw you know last last year in the finals. It then during the Pelican series, they lost Devin Booker. That's you know that's something that we expected because you know he was in. We expected them to take a little bit of a um, back, you know, step back. But I did not expect them that when he gets them back to lose again in a game seven against you know the Mavericks. I figured when they have him back, the shots will just kind of naturally fall down because that's kind of the player that we've come to expect um, from these guys. So it was kind of surprising. But at the same time, if you watch the film, it makes perfect sense why that deficit was there and what happened. I mean, it doesn't take long for you to understand kind of the kind of what happened in this game and why yeah. it was not really working out. Cause you know, you had to knock down the shots to get the points and that wasn't really happening for him. So ultimately, um, it's going to be interesting to see for like the golden state game, how much, you know, that changes for him, especially with, you know, the, the, those both those teams being good three point shooting teams, so I have to see. But the other one is the Boston Celtics Bucks game. Yeah. Now that um, one, that one, uh, final score one hundred nine to eighty one. Yeah, I don't think that was as surprising at least personally because I came on the podcast multiple times and said I don't I don't think that game that series should have gone to a game seven. Um, this the Celtics team did a tremendous job locking down Giannis the entire time. Chris Middleton wasn't in that series. Drew Holiday. Um, was really and then Lopez were the only two that were really doing much to help this team kind of get out of holes and kind of do what they had to do but it was just super hard to do anything when the Celtics team plays the defense that we are come to expect from them throughout this playoffs and when they're doing that lockdown defense you can barely find enough wiggle room to get any shots to go down and we saw a lot with Giannis getting shut down tremendously I mean the first uh first half he got like 10 points the rest of the game or, you know, early in the third quarter, he had seven. But then after that, everything just kind of tapered off. He really couldn't get anything going. So it was just kind of a big struggle for him. Um, and then on the offensive side, of the, uh, offensive side, after the third quarter, or when the third quarter happened to the fourth quarter, early fourth quarter, everything kind of just went down for the Celtics. They were just dominating. It was just, a, you know, really hard to watch if you're the Bucks fans. But really good if you're a Celtics fan. And that's just kind of the get to, uh, the Celtics team that I was expecting to see for a while. I was hoping and I was wondering when this is going to ha- finally happen, where they would, the offense would meet the defensive level that they've been playing at. And ultimately, it took to game seven for them to finally snap into place. But... I also think it's an, it's a good thing because there's seven games, obviously that they had to play, but that's seven opportunities from, for them to clean up anything that was messy. And now when they go and play, who are they playing? Crap, uh, the Heat. They're going to be a tremendous defense, which is going to stop this Heat team in their tracks because they had you know an easy game last. Um, last year's with the 76ers because that 76ers team has been blown out from the inside out because of a trade that has happened. We posted on the sports article on that about the 76ers. You might want to read that just to get a better insight on it. But I think that trade has finally fallen to the Nets' favor a little bit, and it's hard to tell, call either one uh, in favor. But there's just the this, the 76ers team didn't have anything to really you know go on, and they ended up losing that series pretty badly. So I think when you now we're going to go face the Boston Celtics. This Boston Celtics team has tremendous defense, and I have no reason to think that um, Bam, Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler and Hero cannot get shut down by this really good 
Boston Celtics defense. I don't think they're going to be able to have, I mean, obviously they're not going to be able to patrol the paint nearly as well as they did in the 76ers series, but when that ends for them and they're not able to drive inside and score that way, and they're going to have to force the offense to happen, and they're going to have to go against some really solid defense, I think that's where the way the ship's just going to go down. Um, and, I mean, I think that series is not going to be an easy one. I think that'll probably be in five games in Celtics' favor. Um, but I also think that, like I mentioned, getting those games accomplished and having to play through all that adversity and losing games and all this stuff, I've always been under the impression that it's better to lose basketball games, football games, baseball games, no matter what. Any sport in the playoffs lose games because then if, you, if you're able to come out on top at triumphant, then you have gone through so much more adversity than the team that's able to just blow through another team. Because then if you have to play a bunch of different games, you are you don't know exactly where your weaknesses are, and those can get exposed much easier if you don't have to go through the ups and downs. And I think that's why the Celtics will have an easier time with this Heat team than they would if they just blew out the uh, Bucks outright. Because then I think they're going to have an issue of you know going in too overly confident. Now they know exactly what works, how it works, what defense they can play, how it's going to work, and then everything is just kind of falling into place. And so I think that's just another blueprint, and I think that's going to be a beneficial factor uh, going into the Heat series, which I think is on Wednesday. Uh, yes, I think that's what I alternating. just said. Yeah. So actually, no. So the the Heat Boston well, game on is on Tuesday. Gotcha. And the Dallas-Golden State game is on Wednesday. You can alternate. There we go. All right. Well, we'll be looking forward to those games. Let's jump over to the National Football League. As I said earlier, we are in rookie minicamp season, so a lot of that's happening as the rookies are strapping on their helmets and jerseys for the first time and getting out there and getting their butts kicked in the heat. Uh, So that's happening. Um, But let's see what we've got going on in terms of – uh, teams and, and free agent signings and things going on. So Rob Gronkowski, he's still out there. Apparently he uh, responded to, I think, a Leonard Fournette tweet, um, you know, saying uh, that he'll uh, he'll be wearing that number seven jersey in the in the uh, in the stands as he watches the games. Um, and so some people are saying, oh, OK, he's really retiring. Did he let the cat out of the bag? I don't think so. I think this is a guy that's just goofing around and trying to throw out various mixed signals so that people don't know what he's going to do. I don't know. I think I'm under the impression. I don't think Gronkowski's coming back for another season. You think so? I think he's done. Um, I think he wants to probably come back with Tom Brady and he'll finish it out with him, but I just don't yep. think he, he, his body can handle it. I mean, he's had that, you know, huge injury where he broke like 12 ribs yep. last, last season. He re, um, retired a few seasons ago just to, and then he unretired when Tom Brady went to Tampa so he could join him for a year and it just has been quite a few up and ups and downs and I think at this point I don't think he could handle the toll of it I don't think he enjoys it as much as he has uh, in years past I think he's just ready to kind of move on to the next chapter which is just enjoy the game of football as a fan I don't think it's just there's just too much evidence pointing to the fact that he's just not really sure about it anymore I think he's just enjoying kind of the life outside of football a little bit um I don't know. So, I see. I see us getting through training camp, and uh, getting our way through preseason games, and then he uh, he might pop back up on the radar. I just. I don't know. I think if you already retire, and then you unretire to come play with Tom Brady, and then you have a big injury like he sustained last season, I don't know. I think because the reason he retired in the first place was because he didn't the, his body couldn't handle the you know the toll and the yeah. the pounding that he receives because the guy isn't just a tight end he's the tight end that runs you over he's yeah. not gonna just go down with one tackle or maybe even not even with two it's gonna take multiple guys and that's not an easy th- load to take yeah. when you're 
when you're getting older. And, and I just think at this point, I, I think it's probably wise. And I think that's kind of what he's hinting at. Because, I mean, also, that was – if he wasn't retiring, I don't think Fournette would, like, be, like, you know, acting like he has no idea. I don't know if that would be kind of how that would work. So, personally, I'm under the impression this is probably Gronk's final hurrah. Um, and he'll, he'll probably – Last year was. Last year, yeah. And he'll probably just kind of call it quits. We're okay. just waiting. Well, we'll see. I hope not. I like watching that guy play. He's got a lot of heart. Uh, and him with Tom Brady is uh, pretty fun. So yes, hopefully uh, hopefully Gronk gets his uh, football house in order and comes back and plays one more. But wouldn't surprise me uh, either way, I think, at this point. Um, okay, let's talk about Rob's former team, the Patriots. And uh, you asked me a question, which is could they take a step back next season? What do you think? Yeah, it's interesting because right now they said they'll have multiple people, you know, deciding on the offensive play calls at this point. And the question is, isn't that too many people? There should be, because they really don't have, from the article I was reading, that they don't have that one guy that's the offensive coordinator. There's just a bunch of guys that are kind of just having input into one big, you know, um, you know, <laughs> into the decision making. So is that too much, especially when you have a rookie guy? at quarterback or saying you got a quarterback and you're trying to build something and you're kind of in this middle of this kind of year where you signed a bunch of free agents last year you just drafted you kind of feel like everything's taking shape but offensively you don't have that one guy that one voice and until they figure that out can they get things done and I think right now we're seeing this and this might be why they're signing so many quarterbacks and just spitting them out as they're going trying to figure out what their identity is at this point because they, there's not that one voice that's saying here's the final like leadership here, and that would make more sense of what they're what they're doing with these draft choices, and why they're spending them so high, and why they're spending it at this certain positions because they're, each person kind of has their own idea of what they're doing. So that would make a little more sense of you know kind of the mysteries of some of these things that they've that has happened. But I mean, is that going to push them back? I think to a certain extent we could see some issues in some. Um, footing issue, foot, uh, yeah, footing issues as as they get closer to uh, through preseason and through the first few weeks, and they try to find that identity again because right now they really don't have it. Um, we've seen Matt Jones really struggle in the playoffs and get blown out by the Buffalo Bills. Um, we've seen them have struggles throughout the entire you know regular season last year, and that was with a distinguished Josh McDaniels as the offense coordinator. Now he's gone, so now you kind of have to wonder, kind of where everything's going to go. So the question still remains is kind of, you know, who's that one guy? So I think it's going to be interesting. I saw today they let go of their kind of their quarterback that they signed, that they signed not to be a quarterback, to be a gadget guy. And they let him go because they couldn't find a perfect position for him uh, on, on the roster. But I mean, at the same time, also defensively, they all lost uh, JC Jackson, I believe to the Chargers. So they've lost pieces and they're trying to gather pieces and they're trying to put things together and I worry if they don't figure out who that leadership is under or kind of side Bill Belichick, if there's going to be a major you know collapse right now because right now, like I said, they're so young and they're so inexperienced, and most of these guys haven't played with each other much. And so now you're saying, all right, let me pull the office coordinator out and replace him with a bunch of guys and see how that fits together. And it could be fitting together like like a hand that's too big for a glove and they don't fit too well together. So I think it's going to be an interesting situation for the Patriots because I think there's a lot of pressure on the Patriots. I would think um, a lot of Patriot fans expect a really big year out of Matt Jones. I think a lot of people expect really big years out of all the guys that they drafted super high um, in the draft. I think a lot of people expect a lot of stuff out of Bill Belichick after getting blown out hugely in the 
um, postseason, which they've usually dominated over the last few seasons under Tom Brady. Now they're trying to find that answer. Um, and they're getting a little desperate. <laughs> I mean, they're trying to figure out who that next quarterback is that's going to be able to replace him. And Mac Jones made a little bit of a strong case for that last season, but it's just going to depend on what things look like. So I think this is going to be a transition year for him. Either th- I think this year there's a lot of pressure on Mac Jones and a lot of pressure on these wide receivers and defensively to see, is this the type of team that can win us a Super Bowl? Is this the type of team that can get us deep in the playoffs? And if so, great. But if not, we're going to have to, you know, rebuild a lot of stuff to make sure that we're at a situation where we can start winning football games. And so maybe the safety net is these other guys that they're signing and trying to keep things going a little bit and try to get as many guys in there as you possibly can to try to build an identity for yourself. But you're going to have to be careful not to make sure or to make sure there's not too many cooks in one kitchen. Yep. Indeed you do. OBJ, they're coming back to the Rams. I mean, there's two sides of this one you could ask yourself, do the Rams really need him? I think that that's the type of question you could ask because they just went out and signed Allen Robinson. They keep Cooper Cove. They trade Robert oh. Woods. So they've done enough that they have a good wide receiver core even when he's gone. However, I think he's one of the pieces that you would like to sign because he's a veteran talent in there that can definitely help you win football games in his um and his ability and his technique and the way he was able to help the Rams last year, especially in that deep playoff run all the way up to the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowl, his, you know, his fingerprints were all over that. So getting rid of him, I don't think would make a whole lot of sense, especially to another NFC team. It's really going to depend on, you know, the best career decision for him. But honestly, when you, I mean, a lot of guys, the best players are already signed to the next, you know, the next team that they want to be at. Um, we're not, I don't really know kind of what the situation is behind the scene, but the door is still open, according to Sean McVay, about a, a return. They're working with him. So I wouldn't be shocked if he signed with the Rams, but I also wouldn't be shocked if he signed with someone else either because, I mean, at this point, there's a lot of teams I could use him, namely the Green Bay Packers. Um, they could use him. I don't I don't know about the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes, they lost Tyree Kill, but I don't know if he's – I mean, maybe you could maybe get a deal with the Philadelphia Eagles, maybe the Pittsburgh Steelers We could use him. There's teams throughout the league that could definitely – Seattle Seahawks could use him. I mean, that's true. But I don't know if they want to get rid of him to an NFC rival. The Jacksonville Jaguars could use him. The Jets could use him. Anyone could use him. So his 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 usage rate could extend anywhere he wanted it to go. The question is, does he enjoy the Rams enough to be like, okay, let's do this again? If they sign OBJ, they've basically only lost one or two players, one to a trade, which is Robert Woods to the Titans, and then Von Miller to the Buffalo Bills were probably the two biggest losses that they've had. And they're still in really good position to back, uh, go back-to-back Super Bowls or at least get a deep, deep playoff run. And if you had OBJ back into that mix, now that wide receiver room goes from being really good to being great. Um, so I think he's that type of piece that can transition them from being, you know, like I said, really good to, to being great. And I think that's the thing that they need because his veteran talent and his playoff experience and winning that Super Bowl is invaluable, especially as these young guys come onto the scene. You lose a guy like Robert Woods, but... You, um, you add a guy like him into that mix or you keep him and you sign him. The only thing, the other thing you have to really worry about is should you be playing that much money if he wants to have a really big contract deal? Now, luckily, Cooper Cup has said he is not going to ask for a really big contract when, when his when his uh, re-signing comes around. He just wants to be able to play and help his team out. So maybe you don't have to really worry about that quite as much, but I would assume OBJ wants as much money as he possibly can get. And, you know, like we mentioned, this this wide receiver market has kind of blown up at this point, and it's not being helped by the fact that the Green Bay Packers just signed their cornerback to a really big extension that's kind of boosting the defensive market now. So 
you know, money bags are being spent everywhere. And I don't think OBJ is going to be one of those guys that's going to sit back and say, okay, I don't want the money, which could lim- eliminate some teams from wanting to sign him just because of salary cap reasons. But ultimately, uh, I read an article and I posted that WS Sports a couple months ago that said the Rams are fine to bring every one of the players back this next season because of the salary cap and the ways they can move the salary cap to get it to work. They've already lost Von Miller and Robert Woods, which kind of opens up a little bit of salary cap space room because now they don't have to pay him the big money uh, and they have some extra room. So ultimately, I think this is one of those things where we could see something happen. I think OBJ is one of those kind of wild card uh, wild cards because last season we saw him with the Cleveland Browns and then all of a sudden he get forced his way out and now he's either going to go to the Green Bay Packers or he's going to go to the, go to the Rams. The Packers low ball him and then he goes to the Rams and he wins the Super Bowl. So he's just kind of all over the map at this point. So I would not be shocked if he took off, but I also wouldn't be shocked if he stayed. So, but ultimately I think after you win a Super Bowl and most of this team is still intact and they want you to come back, I think that kind of points to the fact that he could be around next season uh, and I wouldn't be shocked if he came back, but also I wouldn't be shocked if he if he went away. So Mike Romp Gronkowski, he's another wild card piece of a wild off season. All right, well let's stick with those uh, fellas catching footballs. Uh, Jarvis Landry is now uh, no longer a Cleveland Brown. He is uh, with the New Orleans Saints organization, apparently in a very incentive laden contract where he could double his base. So three million dollar base, a lot of incentives. So. Uh, what do you think about that? Is that going to really upgrade the Saints situation? I like the Saints team a lot. I think defensively they've done really good stuff. Signing Tyron Matthew to a big deal to get him uh, as a safety. Uh, and then you're signing Jarvis Landry along with the rookie. I can't remember his name. but And then Michael Thomas also. And then Jameis Winston. Uh, and then, you know, I don't really know what the running back situation is going to be. But they've got a really good stacked team now. And the question is, is this team going to click together? And I think it will because they're not, I mean, most of these guys are either really distinguished players or they're rookies and distinguished players are usually pretty good at adapting into a scheme and having success, especially if they've had success at multiple different teams. So I think it's going to be an interesting situation. I think it's going to be one of the situations that's going to heavily favor um, the Saints team into the point where I think they're going to, you know, force a way into the NFC conversation after kind of a little bit of disappointing uh, end of the last season after James Winston had that injury. I think it was an ankle or leg injury. I don't remember exactly which one, but when he when he got twisted up a little bit. So now having him back and being able to kind of get things going, I think they did a lot of the current moves to get things kind of put in the right direction and forced in the right direction. I think the Saints are, you know, obviously, I think they're playoff contenders out of the gate. Um, but more than that, I think they're going to be an exciting team to watch throughout the regular season. Um, like I mentioned, I think the NFC is there for the taking. It's just about which team signed the correct pieces to you know move up that board uh, and to the top spot. I think the Rams are kind of sitting up there. I think a lot of people would put Arizona up there, but I would not put Arizona up there. I put you know the Saints up there along with them. I think Philadelphia has not moved up the board in the NFC a little bit. So there's plenty of teams that are putting the right pieces into place mm-hmm. to have success, and now they're saying, okay, it's down on you guys to have take that success and kind of put it to the next level. However, the Saints might take a little bit of a step back after Sean Payton has decided to retire and has signed a thing with Fox. Uh, I think that was a f- made official that he is now going to be a Fox analyst 
Oh, did um, that come out today? So that is happening as well. To help tide them over until Tom shows up. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah. So he's that's a little bit of an issue for this, you know, Saints team. But I don't think it's gonna be it's gonna be one of those things where they have to figure it out. Um, and then Taysom Hill is also there. He did not decide to leave the team, even though he did not get the starting quarterback uh, position or spot. Mm-hmm. So there's t- I think a ton of light about the Saints team, and I'm ex- excited to see where they kind of end up. But with that signing of Tyron Matthew and um, Jarvis Landry, I think this team has taken an even bigger step up this offseason after the draft, and I think it's going to be very exciting to see kind of where they end up. All right, awesome. Listeners, thanks for listening. Uh, We appreciate you. Appreciate you listening. Uh, Like I said, please do subscribe if you haven't done so already, and uh, otherwise we will catch you on Wednesday. Thanks for listening. See you soon. God bless. God bless.